Today's episode of Green and White Noise is brought to you by NetSuite. Successful companies know faster growth requires the right tools. If you're doing one, ten, or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more, all in one place. Over 19,000 companies trust NetSuite, the world's number one cloud business system. Schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, at netsuite.com slash listen. That's netsuite.com slash listen. Oh, they'll fake it. Bates throws it. He's got him. Wide open. He's got Charlie Gant inside the 10. He can walk in. Spartans win. Touchdown, MSU. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap. And the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen wants Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Green and White Noise. Emergency Podcast Edition. My name is Chris Vanini. I am not joined by Colton Ponce. I am instead joined by Nick Baumgartner of the Athletic Detroit because Colton is either writing or he's at time of those press conference or he slipped and fell in the snow and he cannot get up. Uh, but we are here to react to the news Monday morning that Luke Fickle has declined MSU's interest in the head coaching job. And now the MSU search really, I think, turns into panic mode. Nick, uh, what's going on? Not, not much. Not as much as what's going on up there, I imagine. Um, yeah, panic mode, I guess, right? I, I don't know if that's if we can totally put it that way, but at the same time, it's like, you know, as we've talked to people and this thing has gone on, it's like I, I've just sort of wondered in my mind the whole time if, if they were fully prepared for this possibility happening, and I think they were at some level, but at the same time, it's... It's it's hard to sift through that because Fickle was so clearly the the, uh, the obvious choice and everything else um, that for him to say no and 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 really for it to be so public that's really gonna that's really where this gets a little tricky because you know Chris I don't know you you do this pretty regularly they had a flight number a uh, tail number I mean that the plane was found everyone was able to track every move they were making publicly on Twitter. Like, it just didn't seem like this was as smooth as it probably could have been, but at the same time, the timing's been so bad that, you know, it's it's maybe it, maybe it had no choice or no chance to be uh, smoother. Yeah, these types of things don't happen as much in no. 2019, 2020 coaching searches anymore, especially when you've got a search firm you're working with. You know, Glenn Sugiyama, GHR, they, they really pride themselves on not having leaks. Uh, but this has been a very, very public process, either through the plane or through so many coaches publicly uh, spurning MSU, and when, when, it come, when it comes to Fickle now, to me this always felt like a 50-50 here. You know, MSU mm-hmm. can give him a lot more money and whatnot, but he's in a good spot. He has all the leverage. He's going to have plenty of jobs available to him next year because they're going to have another really good season. You know, if, if this had happened in December, I'd say it's much more likely. Yeah. But this was a very, very difficult time of year, and Everybody knows, all the candidates know they have all the leverage, and, and you know, when it comes to fickle, turning it down, what was your initial thought? Yeah, I just, I, I think that, 
Yeah, that's the thing to remember is that when the whole thing started and it was so obvious that it was, that you know, and for all the obvious reasons, right? I mean, Fickle was a, you know, he's version two of Mark D'Antonio. He's 20 years younger. He's a defensive coach. He has an Ohio background. He's recruited the state, you know, very well every, everywhere he's ever been. He hates Michigan. I mean, it's like there's every single box that they, in theory, you would want to check. Um, you know, when you go back and look at how they hired Mark D'Antonio with the criteria they put forth for that, Fickle would check probably all of those boxes that they were asking, you know, a candidate to check back in 2006. And, you know, I'm sure that they went through the process and understood that. But at the same time, it was important to note that Fickle had every ounce of leverage. Um, the timing was terrible. Uh, Michigan State, you know, has to engage in conversation with every prospective coach or candidate about its future in terms of is there going to be any more issues with the NCA? Uh, will there be more coming out? with uh, this Curtis Blackwell lawsuit. Um, if I have ties to Mark D'Antonio, is that going to be a problem? Where is this headed? Because it doesn't look like on the outside looking in that you guys are in a good spot. You keep, you seem to keep saying that everything's going to be just fine. You know, you have Mark D'Antonio sort of demanding that this be a celebration at his press conference the other day when it was so very clearly not. The external view inside is that they have problems that they needed to be sorted out and they have to communicate all of that to a coaching candidate via an athletic director in Bill Beekman, who is, by all accounts, a pretty smart guy, but he's only been doing this for such a short amount of time. And, you know, as we reported a bunch last week, uh, up until yesterday even, you know, Tom Izzo has been a pretty, you know, we used your word commodity. I mean, he's a guy that's involved in this process and a guy that they're trying to use, or they have been trying to use, a guy who is trying to, you know, almost work as, you know, in sort of ways that a, an established athletic director would in that, you know, I'll be here, you know, I'll make sure that, you know, cause I mean, Chris, you know, this Tom Izzo is the most powerful person at the school. I mean, so it's like, it's a unique situation. It's very different. Um, you know, it was one that I thought all along and I'm sure you did too, that it was very possible that Luke Fickle said, no, thank you and moved on. And now that's what's happened and, and we'll see where they go. Yeah. And some of you said people would come crawling right. to the job and instead we, We've seen Matt Campbell say no, Ben Reduce say no, Robert Salas say no, Mel Tucker say no, Luke Fickle say no. You know, 13 years ago, Edmonton was able to hire the Cincinnati head coach. Uh-huh. Now the Cincinnati head coach is turning down Michigan State. So whether or not Antonio wants to say this place is in a better place yeah. than he found it, uh, right now it's up for debate. So where does this go now? Um, it, 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 I imagine there's a bit of a reset. Maybe they try to go back to some of their previous folks with, with more uh, offering more this time or maybe they look to some, some new people um, early indications are that Brad Bielema is interested in yeah. the job uh, what, what do you think where they should go from here so it's really interesting you know I it, we were told early in the process that it was very unlikely you know because two things number one the board of trustees at Michigan State has to have and has made it very clear that they will have um, final say on who was hired. So they will have to clear anyone Bill Beekman brings them. This wasn't going to be a situation where he was going to go out and just, you know, make a hire via handshake. And that's why the plane thing got a little weird because it was like, you know, he, it wasn't just going to be so simple as Bill Beekman getting on a plane, going somewhere, getting somebody on the plane, coming back, and it was done. It need, there was going to be more of a process to it than that. And at the time, early last week, the, the you know, the odds that, you know, they would go internal were seemed to be very long, and that wasn't something that they were going to approve. Whether or not that has changed, I guess, because things do change when, when you know, <laughs> wrinkles are thrown into the factor here. 
Whether or not that's changed, I guess we'll have to find out. Um, and that would include, you know, is Mike Tressel legitimately an option to be an interim coach um, while they sort out sort of what they go through? I mean, it's funny, Chris, that this happens this way because I covered the Michigan search with Jim Harbaugh, and my biggest thing at the very beginning of that was you don't have an established athletic director. You don't have an established person who everyone knows is going to be here. But what they did have at Michigan at the time was – even though it seemed far-fetched when the whole thing started, was they had a candidate who wouldn't have cared necessarily about any of that because he was powerful enough in his own and he went to Michigan and everything else. And Jim Harbaugh, you know, if the, if Jim Harbaugh wasn't in that equation, they would have had similar problems to this because what Michigan State's going to run into is coaches having some trepidation over, you know, the lack of you know experience at the athletic director level and everything else and, and how much more is coming around the corner. So do you go to a Brett Bielema who would absolutely probably be interested because he's been kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting around with full knowledge that while Bielema was very good in the Big Ten seven years ago or eight years ago, whatever it was, the Big Ten's changed an awful lot since then. And we've also seen Brett Bielema not do so hot in a pretty competitive division in the SEC. And now he's going to be entering possibly, if he were to take that job, you know, uh, one of the toughest divisions in college football. So, I'm not real sure. I mean, it also depends. Do you want to go a little lower? Do you want to look at coordinators? Do you want to look at guys who are head coaches at smaller schools, like a Chris Creighton? Would you be willing to do that? You know, and those those are questions that would have to be asked at that level. I'm sure maybe they have already been asked. Um, you know, Fickle was such an easy connect the dots, but when it got a little more difficult, the question was always, what are you going to do if it gets a little more difficult? And now it has, and I suppose we'll see where it goes. Yeah, these are just my thoughts here. I think a sitting head coach or at least someone with head coaching experience because you have an administration and an athletic director without much experience. You need yeah. somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, I, I personally think Bielema would be a great Bielema would be a great fit for a lot of the reasons we already know. I've had a lot of MSU fans on Twitter already react and think it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. My only question is is who, who do you want? Who, who do they want? I just tweeted me at Chris Vanini because I have been struggling to find out who MSU fans think they can get at this point um, because I think a lot of the people you get you can get right now are the people you're going to be able to get in 10 months from now. Yeah. I don't think 10 months from now this job is not going to be better. You're going to win maybe three games. You're going to have a recruiting class in the 60s if you do an internal hire, which seems unlikely but is more and more likely. Uh, you're basically punting on the season. The program is going to be in even worse shape 10 months from now, I think. I think yeah. you have to move forward now. I think if, depending on where you are, I think you, you kick the tires on, on, on a Chris Creighton, on a Blake Anderson at Arkansas State, maybe a Josh, Josh Heupel at UCF or something like that. I, I think you have to really, right now, spread it pretty far and see who's got any interest because all of your top candidates did not have uh, any interest. So I, I think I don't think it's going to be any better in six months. I think you have to move forward now. Let a new coach come in and create their whole new 2021 recruiting class. Because Antonio even said, if he stepped down at the end of next year, it would compound the recruiting issues into yeah. the 2021 class as well. And the 2020 class was not very good. It was one of his worst ever, uh, ranking-wise. So that's my thought. I think you got to have somebody now. I think you have to find a sitting head coach somewhere. I think a lot of the guys that you're going to be able to look at in 10 months are the guys you can look at now. Uh, that's just my opinion on that. Yeah, kicking the can down the road really only works if your program is in like really good shape and you've lost a coach for some random reason and 
you can just put an interim in, like a guy got old and had to retire or something, or a guy got sick or whatever. Yeah, I, you know. Right. I, I think of, so. So Art Riles gets fired at Baylor. Yeah. They go as an interim coach for the season. Matt Rule takes over a recruiting class that has like literally nobody. I think they had zero commits by the time he took over. Mm-hmm. Matt Rule was able to cobble together a decent class, but one he was Matt Rule, who's now in the NFL. So yeah. Obviously, very very good hire. You pick Baylor over Oregon is not going to happen this time around nope. with MSU. And he was in Texas where there were a lot of good players around. That None yep. of those apply to where MSU is right now. An interim coach would, I, I think, just compound the, the issues that they're having. Yeah, it's and it's also you know important, I think, that they need to move on. Um, they need to move on and, and really move forward with something here because the fan, the fan base... Um, and, and ultimately, that's really what's import, important. Not, uh, the players are the most important thing, obviously, but the fans and, and the people that you're trying to, that are trying to support you, right? Despite sometimes maybe their best <laughs> best interests or efforts, they, uh, you know, they've been frustrated for two years. You know, as you know, I mean, the the, the lack of you know progress and lack of and the, the the more of the stubbornness and, and not changing anything and watching sort of the program, uh, the talent level of the roster sort of decay. Um, you know, they're ready, very ready, I think, to move into something more fresh and new and different and let's give somebody a chance uh, and all those things. Um, and I think you're right. I think that kicking the can down the road in this situation, if you were to do that, I think it would be as much about giving you time to look at your athletic director situation as it would be anything else. Like you'd be doing it to say, so if you, if you did that and you said, all right, we're going to let Mike Trestle coach the season uh, and we're going to like really look at this thing. The first order of business would be, what are we going to do with our athletic director? Are we going to keep Bill Beekman or are we going to try to find a more established, uh, more, you know, more uh, traditional AD and go forward from there. Uh, And then, you know, if you were able to pull that off by like the summer, then maybe you can spend the season, you know, surveying the land and everything else. That would be the only reason to put somebody as an interim beyond that. You're right. I mean, the same candidate pool would probably exist. You just have more time to get your ducks in a row. And if you had a different AD, maybe he'd have some better, you know, some different ideas anyway. But other than that, you know, I think it's it's got to be time to move on. And they've got to have, you know, an ability to, to, to sell somebody as a coach who, who's got a plan and can come in here. And whether it works or not, you know, who knows, but at least gives, give people a chance to get behind others. Because the, the, the myth, if there is a myth or if it still existed, that they were in a good spot. It has to be dead now. They were in a terrible spot. The timing was awful. The season was awful. The talent level has decayed. They were in a bad situation facing a rebuild, and they've been as such for more than a year. It just took a lot of people a very long time to admit that, and I think now they're there. And if you know if they if they handle this rationally, I think they can get out of it. But it's going to be tricky, and it was going to be tricky anyway. So you know we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it had all but really died by the end under D'Antonio and him leaving when he did mm-hmm. put everybody else in a very, very bad spot and now everybody else is left picking up the pieces. And this also goes back to, you know, maybe Bill Beekman shouldn't have let D'Antonio go out on his own terms. Right. Something a lot of people were saying at the time, but he was an inexperienced guy. Support from coaches is one reason he got the job and this is where things end up. A, a series of decisions over the last handful of years have left MSU football in a very rip very bad spot I'm moving forward so now we wait to see where the search resets and regroups and where it goes into and uh, make sure you're checking out the athletic for all things the latest on that uh, they'll do it here 
So for Nick Baumgartner, I'm Chris Vanini. Thanks for listening. Shout out to producer Mike Zimmerman, and we will see you on the other side.